We started our series, Empowered, a few weeks ago, and uh, if you missed any part of it, we're in the book of Acts. It's where we're going to be today, and uh, we want to encourage you that if you've missed any portion of this or all of this, that you can go on to our website, download our app, or subscribe for the podcast, Um, not because we want you to hear our voice, but we want you to hear what God has to say through his word, and we'd love for you to jump in there and hear all of that. It's powerful, powerful stuff. So let me catch you up to date. Even if you've been here, we need to remember where we are in, in just the, the flow of things in history, in particular church history, uh, as we're reading the book of Acts. Um, the church has just begun. Jesus has just left the earth. He just finished up his time here, and he literally ascended, kind of floated, if you will, up into the clouds. He left um, his followers here. The Holy Spirit, who we've learned to be the empowerer, Um, has come, and he is empowering the church to do amazing things. The day of Pentecost, which maybe you've heard of in Acts chapter 2, we looked at a couple of weeks ago, took place. Amazing things happened. Most amazingly, um, 3,000 people came to uh, believe in and follow Jesus in one day. Um, The people of God were in love with Jesus. They were following their spiritual leaders. They were united They were sharing, they were generous, they were in community with God, they were in community with with each other, they were experiencing communion through the Lord's Supper, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful thing happening. Well, a couple of guys in chapter 3 who are leaders in the church, pastors, apostles, uh, Peter and John, uh, do what they did in their normal rhythm of life. They went to where the religious gathering happened. It wasn't necessarily the church, it was where the religious gathering happened, And they went to the temple as they would normally throughout all of their Jewish life. And they went there for daily prayer. And they went there in that normal rhythm of life, following Jesus and looking for opportunities to serve and to love and to share the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're not going to read chapter 3, but in chapter 3 what happens is Peter and John enter into the temple. And there's a guy over there who can't walk, he's lame. And he's a beggar and he's asking for money. And I don't know about you, but I get strange feelings in me when people are begging for money. Don't you? You get some strange feelings in you. There's always this sense of, well, do you really need it? Are you legit? Uh, What if I give it to you? What are you going to use it for? Uh, What's a couple bucks going to do for you? Well, anyway, they walk through the gate, and they see this lame beggar there, and he asks for some money. And Peter said, sorry, bro, all I have is my debit card. Uh, More literally, he said, silver and gold, I don't have any. I just don't have any. But he said, I'll give you what I do have. I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus. And so Peter um, then extends the, the, um, the name of Jesus and the power of Jesus unto this man and heals this man. And this man who had been lame, and everybody knew this guy like he was legit. He wasn't faking it. He couldn't walk. He got up and he Walked. A miracle happened on that day. Peter said, I'm going to give you what I've got. I'm going to give you Jesus and the healing that comes with his name. Now, as this guy's up and walking around, how many of you believe that Peter and John, these two guys that were part of this, how many of you for healing this lame man believe in your heart that they should go to jail for that? Nobody? Nobody in here is like, man, what we need in this world, more sick people. We, we need more bad health. No. We're like, that's awesome. That's a good thing. 
Glad they healed him. Glad that guy's better. I've got people I'm praying for right now. You've got people you're praying for right now that you want to see better. Um, in fact, this morning encouraged me so much. It's one of the many uh, benefits of being a part of a church family. Uh, I walked into a room this morning, and uh, there's a group there gathered to study the Word of God. And one of them walked up to me and said, let me know what's going on with your dad, because my dad's been having some health issues. And I updated them, and it made me feel so good to know that I'm not the only one begging God for his health, believing that God can do great things. I got a phone call last night from uh, someone who's been uh, a part of this church for a long, long time, and they haven't been able to be here lately because of their health. And they called me. It's the first time I've had the opportunity to speak to them in a while. And uh, just in my heart, it's so good to hear their voice and to hear improvement in them. Uh, there are some people here today that because of their health, they haven't been here in quite some time. And you're able to be here today, and it brings my heart such great, great joy to see you and to have you a part of our time of gathering and worship and communion with God and his holiness and his greatness. Yeah, here's Peter and John. They heal this guy, and they end up in jail. Was it because they healed the guy? I want to answer that very clearly. No. Look to Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1, and I'm going to show you why they ended up in jail. Acts chapter 4, verse number 1. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, and I want to pause there and point out this word speaking. If you go back and read chapter 3, after they healed the guy, everybody's like, whoa, and Peter healed him, so everybody wants to know what Peter's got to say. So Peter's literally got this platform now. Everyone's hushed. You might as well give him a microphone because everybody wanted to listen and to hear what he had to say. And Peter took this opportunity and this platform that God had given him that he gives you many, many times in your life. God gives you a platform. God gives you a microphone. Maybe it's because you went through some suffering and you experienced the grace of God in your life or you went through a hardship and you experienced the grace of God in your life or you did something that was kind and something that was generous and people take note of you and they want to listen and you have this opportunity to say something. Well, Peter didn't back down. Peter didn't just freeze up. He boldly began to speak and he didn't tell them about himself. He didn't tell them about what he was capable of doing. Instead, he spoke boldly the name of Jesus. And this is going to sound really weird to say in church, but that's where he messed up. That's where things started going sideways. As long as he was doing good in the name of Jesus, everybody's like, yay, way to go, Peter. Then he starts speaking boldly the name of Jesus. And there are some haters and some critics and some people that despise the name of Jesus so bad in that day, just like they do in our day, when we boldly proclaim the name of Jesus, they try to shut us up and shut us down. And they began to speak about Jesus here in chapter 4 and verse number 1. They were confronted by the priest. Now, wait a minute. And even if you don't know much about the Bible, you know that the word priest means like religious people, right? Like, surely they would be the ones celebrating this. No, they're the ones that wanted to shut it down. It says, by the priest, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. They were trying to stop them. They were trying to hush them about the name of Jesus. Why? Because the name of Jesus and who he was and what he had done messed up their whole system. Their whole system was, we're good, you're not, and for you to be good, you've got to do all the things we tell you to do. 
Jesus comes along and says, I know you're not good. All you've got to do is believe in me, and I'm going to make you good. That messed up their system. These guys are about to go broke. They're about to be out of authority. Everybody's turning to Jesus, and Peter proclaims the name of Jesus. Look now at verse number 2. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees in particular didn't believe there was any type of resurrection. And so they were just very, very angry. Verse 3, they arrested them and since it was already evening, put them in jail till morning. Now notice, they weren't put in jail for doing something wrong. They were put in jail for doing something right. Verse number 4. But many of the people who heard their message did what? Believed it. They stood up, proclaimed Jesus. While they were in jail, people are still believing in the very name that they have proclaimed. You might be able to contain the messenger behind some jail bars, but when the message has been proclaimed, you cannot contain the message of Jesus. And notice what it says here. So the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So they were about 3,120 believers just a few days before this. Now the number of men alone has risen to 5,000, plus all of their wives and their children and probably some of them had, you know, a basketball team like me or one shy of. You know what I'm saying? There was a bunch of them involved. There's no telling what their number was at this point as people were believing in the name of Jesus. Drop down now to verse number 8. Then Peter, this is so important, filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, we talked so much uh, a few weeks ago, and don't want to miss this. I want to repeat this over and over, who the Spirit of God is. Because I think a lot of us who call ourselves Christians don't know, uh, don't have a clue really who he is. We think that's just some figure or something we talk about when we read Scripture, and we don't really think it, it has any reality for us today but he was filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God. The third person of the Godhead. God the Father, okay? God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Tell me which one is more God, and I'll tell you they're all the same. They're all fully God. And we have here the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not an it. He's a person. Since he is God... Since the Spirit of God is God, he carries forth the full character, all of the attributes, the faithfulness and the power of God with him. Now, I want to put this on the screen for you. I want you to get this, okay, as we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. First of all, the Holy Spirit lives inside every believer, okay? The Holy Spirit lives inside every believer. Believer, if you have come to a place in your life where you have recognized your sin and you have repented of it by turning away from it and turning to Jesus by faith in the grace that He provides for you and He has become your Savior, His Holy Spirit has moved inside of you. So turn to your neighbor right now and just very softly, mildly, 
but very confidently, if you're a believer, just turn to your neighbor right now. Just very gently tell them, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. Now, they probably came closer to believing you than you believed you. So I want you to do it again. I don't want you to turn to your neighbor. I want you to turn to yourself. You're like, how do you do that? You do it all the time. You talk to yourself. You know you do. Some of you even answer yourself. That's a whole other thing going on there. But now just tell yourself, the Holy Spirit lives in me. Tell yourself. Go ahead. Some of you talk out loud to yourself. I like it. That's good. You can hear yourself that way. This is a biblical truth. This is not an idea. Uh, We could uh, excavate scripture after scripture after scripture that makes this very, very plain. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. It's huge. It's massive. Peter in this moment is the same Peter that a few days before stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached and thousands came to Christ. This day has stood up, or the day before, has stood up after healing a lame man, and thousands come to Christ. This is the same Peter that walked with Jesus. And when Jesus had been arrested, three different, very specific times, Peter was asked, do you know Jesus? Are you with him? Are you one of his guys? And Peter, three different times, said, it's not me, bro. Sorry, girl. You got the wrong guy. Nope. Not me. I don't know him. That Peter that said, I don't even know him. What has changed so dramatically that Peter now is stepping up on the day of Pentecost, healing a man, stepping up on the platform, taking the mic and proclaiming boldly the name of Jesus? Let me tell you the massive difference. On the day that Jesus was arrested and taken away, Peter was all alone. You ever been alone before? It's not a good feeling. The one that he believed was going to be his rescuer and the triumphant one whose name was Jesus is being hauled away. I mean, they've got him and there's nothing they can do about it. All of his friends that he'd been hanging out with, they left And Peter is all alone. Guess where you are when you're all alone? You're scared. You're frightened. You'll do anything to protect and preserve yourself. And when Peter's all alone, they're like, hey, do you know Jesus? Wait a minute, like they just arrested Jesus. I think they're going to kill Jesus. If they find out I'm with Jesus, they're probably going to kill me too. And nobody's going to come and rescue. I don't know him. Hey, isn't that you? Like, I saw you with him. Isn't that you? I got nobody to turn to, not me. Nope. Third time. Hey, man, I recognize you. You were with Jesus the other day, weren't you? I think you're the guy that's been following him, like, for a long time now. That's you, right? Like, you, like, left your fishing business. That was you, right? Like, I used to buy fish from you on the shore, and then you left, and I can't get my fish from another guy now because you left, and you've been following Jesus. Isn't that you? Not me. All alone. Scared, frightened, but where is Peter now? He has seen Jesus after coming back from the dead. By the way, if your best friend dies and comes back from the dead, it will change you. 
Somebody told me a story the other day, and it's a hilarious story, and I kept telling in church, not because it's crude, just because it's not a church-telling story. And I've been telling everybody that story that I can, because I'm not, anyway, because it's an amazing story, right? Your best friend dies and comes back from the dead. Who do you not tell? He got to walk with Jesus after he died and came back from the dead. He got to talk with Jesus. He got to have lunch with Jesus. He got to hang out with Jesus. And now, something new has come onto the scene for him. Not a new person, but new on the scene, new role called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives now inside of Peter. He lives inside of him. And he's not alone anymore. And guess what happens when you know you're not alone? Guess what you know when you know the posse's behind you and with you and for you? You're bold. You're brave. And now here he is, day of Pentecost, proclaiming boldly the name of Jesus. Healing a man, not stealing the credit, but pointing to Jesus. Willing to go to jail for it. There's a couple words I think are very important. The first word I'm going to put on the screen that goes with this about the Holy Spirit. Let me me, is the word indwelt, indwells, and then the other word is filling. A few weeks ago, we talked about the difference between feeling, F-E-E-L-I-N-G, and filling, F-I-L-L-I-N-G. And if you want to hear more about that, go listen. I don't have time to do all that this morning. It's good, good stuff, but... This morning, I want to show you the difference between the Holy Spirit indwelling us and filling us. Here it says the Holy Spirit filled him. The moment that you place your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwells you. He comes to live inside of you. He comes to make his home among you. If you're a believer, and a moment ago you told your neighbor, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, you were telling them the truth. The moment when you said to yourself, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, you were telling yourself the truth, the sooner we get that, know that, believe that, the more it will change our life. That the resurrected Savior's spirit, the spirit of God, lives inside of us. It's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It lives inside of you. So indwells. You're always indwelt with the Holy Spirit. He promises to never leave you and to never forsake you. He seals you and secures you forever. But here it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe, and I don't want to like, this is not like all-encompassing, but I believe this very much so, that when you attempt to carry out the mission of Jesus, and what's the mission of Jesus? Acts chapter 1, Matthew chapter 28, to make his name known to the world. When you attempt to make the name of Jesus known to the world, the Holy Spirit is faithful, ready to jump on it and Fill you and empower you to do it. Some of you are like, I don't know if I've ever been filled or not. Have you ever attempted to carry out the mission of Jesus? If the answer is no, I'm not going to say you've never been filled, but here's what I am going to tell you. If you've attempted to carry out the mission of Jesus, the Holy Spirit has filled you. And the more you attempt, the more he's ready to fill. He's ready to fill you. Peter was ready to fulfill the mission of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit filled him. So how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? Listen to me, church. Listen to me, believers. Listen to me. How do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? Start attempting to carry out the mission of Jesus. 
Some of you, you know, you're like, you got a test coming up on Tuesday. You know, you're in school, you high schoolers, you're like, Holy Spirit, fill me. Right? He might want to. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Some of you, you got a big thing coming up at work this week, and it's massive, and you don't know if you can handle it. Like, Holy Spirit, fill me. I need you. He might. I, I think he can. I think he probably could, and maybe he will. But here's what I know. When you step out in faith and you say, you know what? I'm going to attempt something I cannot accomplish on my own, and it's to carry out the mission of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will fill you. He'll fill you. You're not alone. I don't know what you're facing right now. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're up against. I don't know what's upon you right now. I don't know what's going on around you right now. But if you're a believer, you, listen to me, you are not alone. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. Everybody else, maybe it seems like they have tucked tail and they have ran away. But the Holy Spirit is with you, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You are not alone. Listen to me, married folks, and maybe you're struggling right now in something in your marriage, and it may be colossal in size, and you think you're all alone right now. You are not alone. Maybe you're parenting right now and you feel like that kid has gone so far away and you just, you are not alone. You are not alone. Look at verse number nine. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Do you hear the boldness in that? Only a man filled with the Spirit of God facing more prison time would stand up and say that. Only a man that believed that it was true would stand up and say that. And then he goes further. The man you crucified. (laughs) I don't know how long Peter's finger was, but on that day it was longer. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Verse 11, for Jesus is the one who was referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Verse 12, and I just want to encourage you, this is a verse you need to memorize. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name, and we're talking about the name of Jesus here. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. To an unbeliever, you're like, man. I don't know about that, man. That just seems like very narrow. Why would God do that? There's only one way. Come on, man. Like, I think there ought to be a lot of ways. As a believer on the flip side of that, that's placed their faith, believing that that is true, I'm like, I can't believe that God would give us a way. 
Someone that's come to terms with their sin and the severity of it. I cannot believe that God would remove every obstacle, which is all of my sin, so that I can have a way to, Jesus, a way to God through Jesus. So I don't know how you view that this morning, but I just want you to know there is a way. There is only one way, but there is a way, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And as you look around this room and you see followers of Christ and um, Christians, it's only because of that name that we are who we are. It's not because we got better. It's not because we went to church. It's not because we got baptized. It's not because we started teaching an HC group. It's not because of, it's not because of, it's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. Verse 13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness, there it is, the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. Anybody in the room, like, just want to right now say, thank you, Jesus, for that verse? I've been to seminary, and I still feel incredibly ordinary when it comes to the scriptures. And some of you are out there like, I've been doing this for like six months, and I think John chapter 3, verse 16 is a pretty popular verse maybe, right? Some of you have been doing this all your life, and you're like, man, where is Second Chronicles? I have no idea. I know where 2 Corinthians is, but I don't know. Right. Ordinary men, no special training in the Scriptures. In other words, they didn't make it. If you were a Jew in that day and you were sharp, you made it into more teaching and more training in the Scriptures. Like, oh, I like this kid. He's about 12, 13 years old. I can see him really, really going far. He likes to memorize stuff. He likes to read. Man, we can take this guy further. He eventually can be a rabbi, an expert in the Scriptures. These guys didn't get picked. They didn't make the cut. But... They also recognized, look at the verse, they also recognized them as men who, what, had been with Jesus. Here's the deal. If it's know a lot about the scriptures or, and there's nothing wrong with that, it's good, get into the word. Or it's somebody that's been with Jesus, I'd rather us land on the side of we've been with Jesus rather than I know a lot about the scriptures. Are you hearing me, church? I'm not devaluing. I want you in the word of God. I just told you to memorize a verse. I want you in the word of God. But at the end of the day, if we've been in the scriptures and we've missed Jesus, we've missed everything. It goes on. I'm going to talk really, really fast. Verse 14. Um. But they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them. You talk about proof in front of their eyes. How cool is that? He just so happened to be standing there. Heavy on the standing. How many times did those guys pass him up? Hey, dude, forgot my debit card. Right? They saw the guy. They knew who he was. He's standing there. Scripture's pretty cool, isn't it? There was nothing the council could say. They were speechless. And we're talking about guys that, like, they were experts in talking. They were talking heads. Verse 15. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. We've got to figure something out. This is going really, really bad. You got anything? You got anything? Hey, you got anything? You got a guy? I got a guy. Let's call him the guy. Right? Verse 16. Verse 16. 
What should we do with these men? They ask each other. We can't deny they have performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. Oh, that this church, this group of believers would just be doing good in the name of Jesus, and that this city couldn't deny it. Verse 17, but to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter replied, John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Meaning who? God. Verse 20. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. What happened to these guys? They had been with Jesus. They saw him suffer. They saw him die. And they saw him come back from the dead. The Spirit of God had filled them. And they can't help themselves. They cannot stop themselves. No law is going to stop them. No group's going to stop them. No prison's going to stop them. We're going to find prison happening quite a few, few more times throughout the scriptures. We, we can't stop. Verse 21, the council then threatened them further. You know, like when your kids, you think they're not getting it, so you get a louder voice and you get, you know, Ugh. but you know they're not. It's like in one ear, out the other, right? You know, this is one of those moments. They threatened them, Further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. Everyone, everyone was praising God. Everybody passed by that same guy. Now he's walking. I don't know about Jesus for sure, but like God had to do that. Like, praise God. God just did something. The people everywhere were praising God. For this miraculous, verse 22, for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. Verse 23, he gets better. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers. They went back to their church. They went back to their faith community. They went back to the people they know, loved them, trust them, with them. They were not alone. The Spirit of God lived inside of them, and they had other believers around them. They went back to them, told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, they all went, well, I guess we're shutting her down. It's over. They said, we can't. No, look what it says. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans, trying to stop your plans, God? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. Verse 27. In fact, this happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, governor, Gentiles, and all the people of Israel were united against Jesus. Remember that scene? Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. They thought they had stopped him. They thought they had thwarted the plan of God. And it goes on here to say... They were united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great protection. What does it say? It's going to come up here. What does it say? It's going to say boldness. Give us, your servants, great 
boldness. What would the natural thing to pray for be? Protection, help, safety, rescue. Yet they prayed supernaturally because they were empowered with the Holy Spirit. They were, they, they were asking for something crazy. God, we want boldness. We want boldness in preaching your word. It's one of those moments where you and I would probably, at least I'm putting myself out there, I don't think I would say, God, you got to make me bold. I think I would pray more of a prayer, God, you got it. You got to make this better. Right? God, God you got to do something. You got to fix this. And what they're saying is, I don't know what you're going to do about that, but you got to do something in me. And what I need more than protection is boldness to proclaim your word. Oh, get this, get this, get this. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be bold for Jesus. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be bold for Jesus. He may empower you to do other things, and I believe that he can, and I believe that he, he, he may well do that. But what I know is the Holy Spirit empowers us to be bold for Jesus. Verse number 30. Continuing their prayer, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. An earthquake. Windows rattled. We see quite a few earthquakes throughout the New Testament. We saw one when Jesus was crucified. We're seeing one here. We're going to see more throughout the book of Acts. Jesus literally shaking the earth. He shook them. I read of a story the other day where a pastor, this is a few years ago, but he was preparing for a sermon series coming up. They were doing video interviews with uh, lots of different people groups as to why they reject Christianity, why they don't want anything to do with Jesus and Christianity. And they were on location in San Francisco, and they had a group of atheists in the room, camera on, asking them these questions. While the camera was rolling with this group of atheists, an earthquake hit San Francisco. Video camera kept rolling. Guess what one of the atheists did? He started praying. <laughs> Your earth starts shaking, you start looking for some help, don't you? God shook the place. Shook the place. Let me ask you this. What does God need to shake in us today? Maybe God needs to shake you in your sin. Maybe you need to recognize that there is no other name that you're going to get forgiven through and by other than the name of Jesus. And God needs to shake you to your core in that. And you need to believe in him and trust in him and repent of your sin. Maybe he needs to shake you in your self-righteousness. Well, I'm a good, go I'm a good church-going person. It's all those sinners who need the gospel. They need to straighten up and get their act together so they can be like me. Oh, may God shake you if that's you. Maybe he needs to shake you in your self-confidence. I've got it all together. I'm a good pick. Everybody wants me. I've got a good job. I've got a good marriage. I've got plenty of money. I've, 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 I've. I don't need the Holy Spirit. I've got this. Oh, may God shake you today. Maybe he needs to shake you in your self-preservation. Me and my family, we're good. We all believe in Jesus, so I'm good. 
long as they're going to heaven, who really cares about everybody else? Oh, may God shake us. Maybe he needs to shake you in your idea of church. Well, this is the way we've always done it. Well, what is God's word saying? I don't know where God needs to shake us this morning, but I pray he'll shake us this morning. And I don't know if he wants to do it with the ground moving or not. Not really the idea I'm going for. I mean, I don't want the building to fall down. I don't want destruction upon you. But I would, would pray that God would shake me and shake you so we see him. They prayed. The meeting place shook. And after, excuse me, the meeting place shook. And they were filled, verse 31, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Why were they filled with the Holy Spirit? What did they pray for? They didn't pray for protection. Nothing wrong with praying for protection, but they prayed for boldness to do what? To carry out the mission of Jesus. So what did the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit did what the Holy Spirit always does when you attempt to carry out the mission of Jesus. He fills you. And he filled them on that day. The place shook. It says he filled them with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. Was this before or after the religious rulers who had a lot of authority said, don't speak in the name of Jesus again. Was it before or after they told them that? It was after. They were bold before they told them, and they were bold after they told them. Why? Because they were filled with the Spirit of God. They were not alone. They knew the resurrected Savior. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be bold for Jesus. So I think sometimes when we read stories like this as dramatic and as cool the narrative is and as exciting as it is, I think sometimes we're like, well, that was then, this is now. What does that have to do with the now? What, what, is, what does it look like today? What does it look like today to be, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit? I want to put a picture on the screen for you right now. We got that picture? There it is. Anybody recognize who that is? Billy Graham. 1947, I believe. He's looking sharp, and he is fired up. You see that? In case you don't know who Billy Graham is, that man right there preached the gospel to they know of over 250 million people in his lifetime. He went to be with Jesus a few days ago. And I don't know if you've been watching TV, and I definitely don't watch, but like morning, daytime TV for me is like sinful. I just can't stand it. It's ugh. But I've been watching some reruns of some talk shows that have been on lately. Like they came out after he died, and they're showing them again. And, and I'm telling you what, people like Kathy Lee Gifford, I don't know if you didn't see this or not, but God gave her a platform, and she stepped up to the plate, and she hit it out of the park. Kathy Lee Gifford, she's not perfect. <laughs> Billy Graham wasn't either. Neither am I, neither are you. But when God gives us the opportunity to proclaim the name of Jesus, he fills us with his Holy Spirit, and he's made known. That guy right there, just, man, continually over and over again, carrying out the mission of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Okay, but he was 99, and he's, he, he died, and he's in heaven now. And, like, that's kind of otherworldly for us to think about Billy Graham. Well, let's, let's bring this on down a little bit more. What, is it, what does it look like? I'm going to ask five men and their wives, if they're with them, to come up here with me right now. These, these five guys, uh, Josh Turner and his family, um, Josh Hendricks back there, Luke Brown and Ashley and Nick and Tiffany. And um, is, is Craig and Brooke here? Are they here? Are they coming? Pointing at them. Y'all coming? They're pointing, they're pointing down. I don't know what that means. 
They're coming. All right, they're coming. They're coming. Y'all just stand right up there however you want to. Just stand where everybody can see you. Come on down, guys. Y'all look like y'all just ran a marathon or something. Is that right? <laughs> they did. They just, like, ran a marathon and ran right in the door, I think. I don't know. Like, for real. Come on up here. Hey, uh, let, me, let me tell you who these folks are in case you don't know. This is Luke Brown, his wonderful wife, Ashley. And uh, he's one of our pastors here, and most of you know who he is. That's Luke. Um, this is Josh Turner, one of our pastors here, his wonderful wife, Crystal. And uh, we have Nick uh, Calloway, one of our pastors, his wife, Tiffany, uh, right here. And then we, uh, in case, because, like, I, 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 I just, I'm just going to guess that when you hear pastor, that, like, just, that is kind of like, ah, that's over there, right? Like, might as well be talking about Billy Graham, right? Okay. Let's get real for a minute. This is, this is Josh Hendricks and his wife, Avery. And again, they just ran a marathon. Um, he's not a pastor. Um, he's just a guy who loves Jesus. And I'm not saying that to speak low of him. I'm speaking very high of him when I say that. Okay? Um, this, is, this is Craig, also known as my workout partner. <laughs> and uh, his wife, Brooke. And uh, what these five people are about to do is on Tuesday, uh, these five men are going to do... They're going to get on a plane. They're going to fly to India. They're going to, they're going to go to India to help the gospel of Jesus be spread there. This is what being filled with the Holy Spirit today looks like. Now, I don't know if you know anything about India or not. It's not where you want to go if you're a believer right now. It's just not. It's one of those places. Um, they're flying on, two, they're a small group, five guys, but they're flying in on two different planes not even sitting beside each other to keep awareness of who they are and why they're going there down. Flying in at two different times, being incredibly careful. They're taking their, their I love Jesus bracelets off when they're in the airports. They're not wearing Amplify t-shirts when they're over there. But as they get to where they're going, they're going to be bold for the name of Jesus. I brought their wives up here because... Um, not only do we need to pray for these five men, we need to pray for these wonderful ladies that love their husbands and support them and are for them going because, uh, you know, I don't know, fear could be a pretty good word that describes where they are right now. And I'm not trying to scare them or, you know, make this more than what it is. But, like, so here's what we would naturally pray for them right now, right? What? Protection. And if you want to pray protection over them, you go for it. Nothing wrong with that. But this morning we're going to pray a supernatural thing over them. We're going to pray for boldness, boldness, because that's what they're desperate for. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray, and we're going to pray for these five men and their families as they go to India, that they would be bold. In the middle of that prayer, I'm going to shift, and I'm going to pray for all of us, because for some of us, it's not about go to India right now, but it's going to our neighborhood. And you need boldness to do that. you got neighbors and you got friends that you're scared to death to broach the subject with, and the only way you're going to be able to carry out the mission with your neighbors and your friends is through the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit. So you don't have to do this, but I want to encourage you to do something. In the first part of this prayer where we're praying for them, would you just simply take your hand and just kind of put it out towards them, just as a, just a yep, I'm praying for you, and just hold your hand out uh, and just as we pray for them. And in the middle of that prayer, when I shift and I start praying for you and I to go across the street into our neighborhoods, I want you to take your hand from here, and I want you to put it on your heart. Okay, so before we bow our heads, just to encourage this group, um, would you just put your hand out towards them, just to let them know you're praying for them. You can sit, you can stand, whatever's comfortable for you, okay, whatever's comfortable for you. 
All right, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, we, we bow before you this morning. And we recognize our great, great need of you. Father, I thank you for these five men and their incredible wives that are just willing to take this incredible journey and allow this incredible journey to India to happen. We're not going to be posting stuff on social media. We're not going to be um, doing it flippantly. We're going to do it wisely. But they're going to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit as they go. And of the many things that we can and probably should pray for them, we're going to pray this one thing for them right now. We're going to pray for boldness, that they would preach the word of God and spread the glorious name of Jesus. I pray that upon Luke and Josh and Nick and Josh and Craig. And at the same time, I pray for their wives to be filled with the Spirit of God as they stay here, that they would be filled with boldness, knowing that they as a family right now, they're, they're about carrying out the mission of Jesus. And so, Father, now we take our hands from extending them forward and praying for them, and we place them over our hearts. And, Father, we just ask that you would help us to be filled with your Holy Spirit, to go across the street, go into our neighborhoods, to go across um, the table at, at lunch to have a conversation with people that we know and that we care about who are stuck in their sin just like we once were. Fill us with your spirit, oh God, to speak boldly the name of Jesus, not knowing if they will accept it or reject it, not knowing if they will like us or hate us in the end, but knowing that it is the only name under heaven that they can be saved by. I pray this. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.